0: Hey, everyone. Uh, Welcome to episode 95, Everything's Changed. It's kind of a reference to uh, the beginning of the week, which saw Donald Trump, the first former American president in the United States history, indicted uh, for uh, financial crimes, I guess, if you want to put it that way, despite uh, legal scholars and pundits from both sides of the aisle thinking this is a pretty weak case. I obviously already wrote on that over at Newsweek, which you can go over and read um, but I want to get your thoughts on it, of course. And uh, we saw the week wrap up with the fun media narrative of the new racist Tennessee Statehouse. And this was one of these things, and I didn't get a chance to talk about this on the podcast. Obviously, I didn't do a podcast today because I just I got behind. I, I was trying to get ahead of Easter meal shopping, and I ended up getting behind And uh, the thing I learned is you never do it the day before because then you can't find any fucking mint sauce. And uh, I wasn't able to find any today either. I had to order it off Amazon. So we'll see if it gets here in time. Praise the Lord. Um, But I wanted to go into, you saw kind of a clear, um, no, there's not going to be mashed potatoes, Stephen. You kind of saw a clear narrative develop. And this is the first instance since like post-January 6th where, I always talk about the, the idea with what our media does and the idea with, you know, allying up with the political left is we can do these things because no one's going to hold us accountable. Generally, the people that hold us accountable are on our side. They will cover for us. They will excuse what we do uh, in with their bylines and in media outlets and in the eyes of the public. And almost uh, no place has that kind of thing been so evident than it was with what happened the Tennessee State House. Let's go back uh, about a week to two weeks to how, how did we get here? Uh, we had a mass shooter enter an elementary school shoot six people, three of which were kids. This was a religious school. So you have to assume that, you know, religiously the people working there or certainly the students are probably of a Christian faith. As it turned out, this the, the female shooter uh, went by, he, he, him pronouns on a LinkedIn profile, uh, signaling that the shooter was non-binary, possibly trans, or at least identifying as trans. Um, that of course was very quickly, almost went from being swept under the rug to this person being martyred. Um, that led to the White House saying, LGBTQ kids are fierce and they will fight back. That of course also led to protests And during a session of the Tennessee State House, uh, two of these members, one of which is a former BLM activist who's been charged with crimes, he was active in those riots, um, uh, supposedly opened the doors and let these people in to to basically take over the Capitol in Tennessee. That led to also letting them into the chamber, and where three of them took with bullhorns to interrupt the legislative process. This was against the request of the Sergeant-at-Arms. And uh, it was about forty minutes, forty-five minute interruption, and they got things under control, and everything happened. And of course, these three people were now uh, media heroes, uh, not because of their championing. It's you know, again, when you look at the ma- the majority of our reporters, our journalists, or our media, they all agree the Second Amendment should be gone. And once you start there, everything else makes sense. So the reason why these people are being lionized, are now being propped up in our media, is because simply the majority of journalists agree with them. And any action that they take uh, is suffice to reaching that goal. Once you start there, a lot of this stuff comes in, into play. If you go back to the Steve Scalise shooting on the Alexandria baseball field, we saw two days after that, Joy Reid basically excusing it, say, well, he's a white supremacist, so he had it coming. And that is really kind of what we saw with the White House this week with Audrey Hale, is... It, these, these six people, these six bodies, these six people that were shot at Covenant School, essentially are just the victims of GOP crimes. And if it wasn't for you passing anti-trans legislation for uh, top surgeries and permanent hormone therapies for minors, then you'd all still be alive. That is how they look at this. And once you start there, you see that we're in a very terror. We're coming to a very terrifying place. That now echoes what happened on January sixth which for two years we were told is the worst attack of democracy since the Civil War. The White House sent Kamala Harris down today to meet with those lawmakers and to meet with activists, but have yet to meet with the families of those six victims. And once you now excuse some form of insurrection in favor of others, you you don't have to be a brain genius to see where this all goes which is we can do it and you can't. We can now storm, we can continue to storm state houses. We can interrupt the legislative process. Uh, Even if you expel us, we're just gonna label you all as racists. And we can get away with this stuff and you can't. And that's of course what led to January 6th. Prior to that summer, you had BLM activists storming state houses and Capitol buildings to demand justice for whatever. And that of course leads to a crowd thinking, hey, we're gonna go to the Capitol also. And of course, you shouldn't be doing that, and they should not be storming state houses anywhere. Nobody should be doing this is kind of the point. But now you have a national media complex that is essentially excusing it from one side of the team. And where this goes is, like I said, nowhere good, because what happens if on January 21st, 2025, a president, Ron DeSantis, is sworn in and somehow BLM activists or Antifa decide we're not going to tolerate that? And they storm the White House all to a cheering journalists who agree that hey fascism has to be stopped either way which way and this is the only way left and that's going to be a big problem and this is what you're seeing happen with journalists who have now labeled them the tennessee three they're basically mythicizing these these three guys and one woman while leaving out the facts that they did break precedent they did break a house rule Uh, The one woman basically publicly offered her apology for it, which is why she survived. They also were only exposed on one, uh, basically by one vote. And so all of these facts are somehow being left out. And you're seeing that a similar situation uh, where protesters stormed the Capitol building interrupted and halted the democratic process uh, is being excused by, uh, again, a good majority of our mass media uh, because they agree with it. And that is a very bad place to be. The other thing that uh, we saw today, uh, at least something that affects me, is uh, Elon Musk took action on Twitter to block any and all links to Substack. This includes uh, retweeting of links, uh, posting of links, pinning tweets of links, anything. You can still quote tweet. And this seemed to be a new uh, policy that was rolled out last night to no announcement And journalist Matt Taibbi, uh, safe to assume he didn't name Musk by name, but reached out to Twitter and asked what was going on. He could not post his work. He was then asked, he was basically told you could post your articles to Twitter and not Substack. Taibbi declined and now we know that this is a policy uh, that basically Elon Musk has implemented to, he looks at it as a hostile action because Substack is creating a sort of Twitter-like feature called Substack Notes. I saw something that Jim Treacher said earlier, and this is kind of where I agree, where one platform is basically paying me for content and the other one is asking me to pay him for content. And I can't really sum it up any better than that. Uh, if, If Twitter ceases to be a place where someone like me can post my podcast or links to my writing or where I work or contribute, it ceases becoming a useful platform for someone like me. Uh, I'm not going to storm out of it like they did at Mastodon. I'm not going to make a big to-do out of it, um, but I can tell you that unless Elon Musk has a, an alternative to something like Substack, he's making a grave error with what he's doing here. Uh, I would expect that this possibly gets reversed uh, once he realizes that Substack is a journalistic outlet. It's not a competitor of his. Um, but uh, until then, uh, who knows? Uh, the, somebody showed me the bot to where Elon Musk actually unfollowed Matt Taibbi over this. And so, I hate to act like a monster ahead of the curve again, but as I wrote it, Spectator, he's making things up as he goes along, and he is not your savior, and he is not your free speech champion. That does not mean that Twitter was better off in the hands that it was in, um, but as I've always warned, it's very it's very important to remain skeptical until a full picture becomes clearer and right now uh elon musk is severely flailing with twitter uh he the the verification system the blue check system the subscription everything is just kind of being made up as it goes along and uh, i don't see that also and ending anywhere good so just a few issues it was a busy week uh it was a long week everyone's kind of exhausted and so uh Hopefully, uh, you're all ready for the holiday weekend, the Easter weekend. I know I am after the chaos that I went through today. So let's just dive right into it. Um, I'm going to try to get as many people in, obviously, as possible. We have the usual queue. But if it's your first time here or whatever, just feel free to jump up into the the call queue. And uh, as usual, just the ground rules, Uh, just be mindful that there might be people behind you in the queue so um just kind of keep your points short and i know that doesn't always work we, we kind of have a conversation when we do this uh, but just try to keep your points short so everyone can get through it and uh, and everyone stays kind of uh attentive and in tune with what we're doing here also if you could if you're uh if you are in the colleague queue if you are speaking please uh just remember to, uh, it's helpful to mute your microphone to get rid of any background noise uh if i'm speaking or whatever Um, It just it makes it easier for me to focus uh, and it just makes it better for the the audience and also as a published recording. So, yeah, just to let you guys know, these are published. You can go back and listen to them. Uh, I don't edit them. Uh, I believe in just kind of throwing it out there and uh, and letting it go. So um, with that, uh, I'm going to just scroll back here. Uh, We'll just start off with Dr. Roller Gator. Um, So like I said, uh, this can also just be open topic. I know I posted a chat thread. On, uh, on Substack, but I think I'm going to probably wait until Tuesday or Monday to, to get around to some of that stuff. So once again, I apologize for not having a podcast today. I just, uh, I got a little overwhelmed. I was uh, out there sacrificing myself for your sins in the spirit of the holiday. So doctor, you're up.
1: Can you hear me? Yeah, you're good. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. So actually, you know, both both major topics are, are things you and I have, have uh, discussed uh, back and forth over time. Um, and I believe I don't want to take full credit if I was, but I believe I was, you know, I, I brought up the term stochastic terrorism to you and, and was the first to, like, sort of bring it onto uh, your radar. I don't want to take credit if it's not due, but I. Um, You know this is this is exactly what i wrote in my (laughs) long substack article that i can no longer promote um which is that it is a term that is purely uh purely exists to be used asymmetrically to allow one side to to criticize language that they don't like and allow themselves full full ability to to become or at least encroach towards violence without any repercussions so the the you're probably going to hear it more often uh as as their side is now increasingly encroaching on on uh inflammatory speech Surrounding events that are also violent on their side, they're they're going to utilize it every single moment they have an opportunity to describe the other side's behavior or quote our side for lack you know to be crude in language, um, you know. So the the one example you gave of the the baseball shooting is 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 there, but the term really originated back with um, with Sarah Palin and her. Her her uh, her target map where the fact that they were using, you know, target visuals of a target on a map it became this was inspiring uh, the shooter of Gabby Giffords and it is stupid things like that that will become what they talk about all for an entire week or two or three. Uh, on the news in order to paint the impression that a particular side or a particular side of a narrative is, is uh, encouraging violence and would love violence. Meanwhile, they will require you to to prove someone was about to be physically injured and unless and until someone is physically injured, they won't even acknowledge anything that's One of,
0: real fast, let me jump in. One of the other things that we saw this week was Riley Gaines, who is a former college female athlete, who's kind of become now a, a gender activist for women and women's sports. Uh, I believe was speaking at a university in California and was basically assaulted by uh, a group of student activists, some of which were either trans or non-binary, or at least supporting that whole issue. She was then kind of cornered into an office with security, and they basically said they would not let her leave unless she paid them to clear a way. And this was another issue that just happened in the last two days. That was not to interrupt, but just kind of along the line.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely, and that's and there was there was discussion on Twitter about whether or not you know uh, someone actually had punched her or not, and the the goalpost was you know prove to us that they did, not that the entire scenario was inappropriate and that false imprisonment is an actual crime and that if all you do is is ask yourself a question why um, her name is escaping me by that but why that one woman was shot when she slipped through. Um, the window inside of the U.S. Capitol on not, on January sixth. Why she was shot, even though there wasn't anyone in the vicinity that she was even physically threatening. the you like the disparity is going to be blatant, and and the the asymmetry in its usage is meant to you know anger you and cause you to get aggravated uh, at the unfairness of it all but it is it is the gameplay and it will work for a, you know good period of time unless you can get a hold of just you know sort of brushing it aside and continuing to to stay on on message pointing out the the similarities between two events and how they're treated differently
0: yeah i mean th- this is all enabled by a media that looks the other way when it's one side doing it. That's that's all of how they're enabling to do this. It's it's no different than when Antifa attacks a federal building and, you know, CNN reporters are in Portland going, I don't see, I don't see anything. I don't know you know when they spent three weeks, you know, with an assault on a building that they're trying to burn down with people inside of it. And then, of course, you have journalists like Nick Kristoff at The New York Times and others just basically saying, uh, you know, help me find Trump's anarchists in Portland. And now he's out there posting links about how shitty Portland has gotten. And again, this doesn't happen without them. This this is not able to occur without them bending the truth and taking a side. And again, in this this is journalists, this is media, if media has decided that you know, Ron DeSantis and, and, the, and, the, and the right are all, you know, budding fascists because of what happened on January 6th, then it, it becomes any means necessary to stop them. You're excusing any necessary. That could be an assassination. That could be, you know, like I said, if he's sworn in or if someone is sworn in, they storm the White House. Sounds like, well, you're not taking over now. Um, and all of that stuff gets excused in one direction. And, you know, it's I mean, it's also kind of kind of right out of the, you know, the Marxist Communist Manifesto, which is just, you know, violence by any means necessary because your opponent is, you know, the next Hitler. So if that's if that's who that person is and if that's who we portray them to be, then any step necessary to stop that person is justified in the name of whatever we call democracy. And again, that's something that is completely you know, enabled by the fourth estate, which is, you know, we, it's up to them to hold the accountability equally. And so you can agree or disagree with the expulsion of these Tennessee House members, but you're, the point is, is you're not getting the truth of what happened. You're not getting the truth. You're not getting the fact that they violated an actual statute and that there is decorum in place in these uh, institutions. And they violated that, they were punished for it. and you have now an entire media who's saying, well, no, this is race. And this is exactly what we're talking about with the 1619 project. And now they're the Tennessee three, like, you know, they're civil rights heroes now all of a sudden. And I get that there's complaints. I had a really long one on my suburb chat thread about, you know, this, they should have just let this go. And it's a long comment. And I, and I didn't want to read it because it's an anonymous comment and I'm kind of like, okay. Some claim to kind of be associated with the legis- you know, the, the the Tennessee House, or at least in in the know with that. And they're saying that you know, by doing this, you make them national heroes, and now the White House has them on. Now they're fundraising money, and I'm like, so you're just supposed to let them break the law and break the quorum because of how it looks to the media? Um, that to me is kind of like Mitt Romney style politics, and whether you agree with it or not, that's just not where we are anymore. And so the fact that they were, you know, like I said, you can agree or disagree with the action, but what you're not getting out of the media is the law that they broke, the fact that they disobeyed the sergeant at arms, and it's because they all agree with gun control and these brave activist students. And by the way, a lot of this is noise to cover up for the fact that a radicalized, violent, transgender individual killed six Christians. And since that has happened, you've now had a woman physically assaulted at a college uh, you had it. You had women assaulted in New Zealand and you had um, another threat in Colorado Springs with a non-binary mass shooter who was planning it on a whiteboard and had a manifesto. And so this is going to continue. And this is what I this is what I meant when I wrote about kind of the homosification of uh, the transgender activists. So they decided that if you know, if you're going to keep passing these laws, we're going to get violent to the point of we're going to fucking shoot you. And we have a media very much like Hamas and very much like Palestine, who is going to take our side and spin it for us. And I, I can't I can't express enough that how ugly things are going to get when that's.
1: Well, on that on that same in that same direction, sort of, I would like to say that it is absolutely a mistake if what you're doing in response to this is. Focusing on the transgender aspect and like coming to conclusions that, you know, that's a mental illness, a signal of mental illness on its own. If that is your message, you are going to uh, do everyone a disservice at attempting to call, you know, call bullshit on the on the way that they are excusing it. Right. Because the right now, the dynamic is that, you know, LGBT as a classification, you are you are maligned, you are you're disparaged by society and and the way that they are sneaking in the justification is that you are the, these these groups of people are at their wits end that they are they are fighting for their very uh, existence their very right to survive and that that allows you when you are being threatened you know when when you're much much like, much
0: like how the palestinians frame the issue it's it's almost
1: Right. But if you if you take the angle that if you focus on the fact that they are you know, members of that community and you start to focus on that and say, well, they're they're already mentally ill. You're doing a disservice to the discussion because you're going to then still actually give them this victim status by by, uh, you know, attacking the majority of who they are. Even if you believe that it is not, a, it is not a good idea to start to focus on that specifically. Only focus on the fact that they are being used to allow allow another side to excuse behavior that they want. They're almost like, uh, I mean, yes, it is. It is a very good analogy that you are making with with the Palestinians, where you know the the, the Palestinians as a collection, the terrorist portion of them will find these these. Um, people who don't know any better and manipulate them into being the ones who hold the vests, the ones who actually blow themselves up. They, the, of course it's the, the smart ones don't do it. They find suckers, the people who are willing to, to, you know, do those. And you can imagine the situation being very similar. But again, if you focus on the fact that they are transgender and start to say, well, they're mentally ill, that's, that's not the angle that's going to help the discussion move forward to pivot real quick. And to tie it up though, <clears throat> um, you know, I wrote an article about, uh, the the term stochastic terrorism that, in a non-shameless self-promotion standpoint, if you go to my Substack drrollergator.substack.com and look for the article on stochastic terrorism, I believe it would be very helpful to go read the history of the term and how it is actually going to be a very uh, a, a very potent uh, weapon on the side of this this you know fight to try to prevent increasing amounts of of political violence it is it is a term that most people haven't heard but when it's used they don't know how to respond to it because it sounds it sounds very intellectualized um so i would recommend that that you go to check it out because i can't share it on twitter <laughs> yeah um
0: i've read it i think i linked to it and i also think i recommended the Substack. and yes it's very good it's very good to understanding the moment we're in and, and what they're doing and why and how they're doing it. Um, back. I mean, just real quick, if you've, if you've ever listened to me, or if you see my tweets on the subject, I don't touch the mental aspect part of this. I know like certain aspects of the daily wire and Ben and, and Matt Walsh. And I know that that crew kind of really goes into this is a mental illness. needs to be treated like that. I, I've never gone to that because I, I'm going to just be honest with you. I don't know. I'm not in, I'm not in a transgender person's shoes, um, I, I, am aware that body dysmorphia exists, you know, primarily in, in women. Um, but to go to, to the lengths of, of labeling this all a mental health thing, I I've never done that. I've never even done it in real life. And I've met, you know, real trans people and I've just, I've had beers with them and I've, you know, sat and just interacted with them. I've just treated them as just a person with agency, which is where I think that, a lot is getting lost, at least in the online world, because I do think that this is being stoked by online armies. Um, and, and I've always said it, I don't, I don't, if you're an adult and whatever, and you believe you're transgender, I, it, it's something that doesn't bother me if I'm like at a bar with you in a social circle. I, I, I literally don't care. Um, if, if your name was Tim and now you're Kim and you say to me, hi, I'm Kim, I'm going to call you Kim. But most Interactions I've had, they didn't go and demand that I call them a she. Like that, it doesn't even really come up, right? It's just here's a person, they're at the table, you're all having beers, you're all just chatting about whatever's happening in Sri Lanka or whatever. Um, and so I've personally just never entered the, the mental health debate. Um, I, I guess you can make an argument for it. Um, and I know like I've seen, you know, sure, let's go give a bunch of mentally ill people, hop them up on estrogen and testosterone and then give them guns and watch what happens. And I've seen those comments. Um, I just I don't even think that that's worth part of this debate. As, as far as the activist wing of what we're seeing in and, and the strain of now violence, which has just been ramped up um, in the last three weeks, largely because you have a media that's, you know, Not exactly right, outright martyring Audrey Hale, but they're certainly out there excusing it. And when you have the White House, who you know uh, last week a you know a Christian school was shot up, and on the eve of Easter, they're out here going, "Yay!" You know, TQ. You know, they're certainly out there waving the flag, and I think that that's where it has to be dealt with. And you know, it's easy to get wrapped up in the um, and I talked about this on the podcast, is this isn't, to me, this isn't an issue really with trans people. Like I talked about Dylan Mulvaney. I don't think that this, that's something that's an issue with trans people. To me, that's issue with a very bad performer play acting on the back of corporate sponsorships. Um, because no trans person that I've ever personally met has ever acted like Dylan Mulvaney acts. Um, and so, yeah, the, the mental health thing is kind of where I pump the brakes personally. Um, it's it's an argument I will read. It's an argument I'll, I'll entertain and I'll, you know, look at. Um, but I kind of agree with you that, you know, if you want to just say, well, hey, all these fucking people are crazy anyway, they're just going to say, then what do we have to lose if we're already, if you're already thinking we're crazy? And so just from a personal standpoint, I just, I don't even, I don't even get into the mental health debate. That's just not, um, you know, that's not something that. I, I would say interests me. It's not something I would even know a lot about. And just personally, um, it, it's not something that I guess, is it, I, I don't think you, I'm kind of with you where you can't just write it off that simple. Like um, certainly someone who's going through gender dysphoria and gender issues and, you know, in order to get, you know, reassignment surgery, they have to go through mental health examinations and things like that. That's great. Let that happen. That doesn't need
1: yeah. And to, to, uh, finish this up to hit all of the topics the, of the day, um, the, you know, the fact that, that, uh, you're on Substack now, you just moved from Patreon as a full-time thing. And in my article, I can't even share to try to discuss about, you know, discuss this stuff further on Twitter. This is, this goes back to something we spoke about a couple months ago where, um, Elon Musk, in response to his that 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 account following his plane, decided to start like banning all outgoing links on Twitter. Um, pretty much everything. This seems like a retread of that. Now, the fact that he unfollowed Matt Taibbi just like moments after Matt Taibbi said that you know he this, he disapproved of this and he would be moving to this new Substack Notes thing. Sort of indicates that at least Elon Musk is aware that people are saying, you know, complaining about this, which means that if this was an accident, if this was a mistake, one, one hypothetical mistake I could envision was, you know, you have this this um, complex web of, of systems in Twitter, and maybe somewhere a Substack post was, you know, marked as a malicious, a malicious website, and then it, you know, hit a chain reaction, and now all of a sudden these lockdowns are because of a mistake, I could, uh, I, you know, okay, fine. It, he inherited a, a crazy mess, but the fact that he unfollowed Matt Taibbi gives you a reason to believe that this was intentional. And if this is intentional, and he's not speaking about it, he thinks that he's earned um, deference that he has not earned. And I don't. I think he's going to burn way too many people out um, on on imagining that he has good intentions because th- this isn't what we signed up for. If if you think that we signed up to be on his side,
0: yeah, I mean. What's funny is, while we got an invite from Substack to join Notes Beta. So uh, (laughs) I guess we'll see. Um, I think it was Noam Blum today who's – I think he said it the best where he said – that's at Neon Taste, where he's like, the problem with Elon Musk is he kind of just goes off on a whim of the thing that personally annoys him at the moment. And he – he's using Twitter as kind of his own personal plaything to do what and that's great he bought it and he paid a lot of money for it um, but you know I've been mostly against most of what he's done I mean revoking the verification of the New York Times uh, even doing the NPR state-affiliated media tag he doesn't apply these things uniformly it's he applies them through his personal grudges and the problem is is there's other people that rely on his personal grudges that kind of go okay what's this and you're right because he originally blocked all outgoing links because he's trying to make money. He's trying to make his money back. And I always talked about that. He was possibly going to turn Twitter into a Substack competitor with subscribers. Like uh, originally I had super followers and then they changed that name to subscribers, but I don't even know what he's doing with that. Um, I, I don't see that much money from subscribers. And so this idea that you're going to, Cease people from using your platform to market your writing. And I guess he told Taibi, well, you can just post your articles on Twitter. Well, I, I'm not paid to do that. <laughs> like, he doesn't understand that. There's no incentive for me to do so other than, you know, a large following. Well, and we don't even know how large that following is. You know, take someone like me, for example, where I have a quarter of a, you know, a million Twitter followers. Um, you have to assume that, you know, even when I'm sitting at 420,000 followers, I always I always half that, like, and then I almost one third that to where I'm, I probably honestly don't break 75,000 actual users. And so, you know, Musk, he's trying to put value on a brand that he bought that is already a damaged brand. And he's, he hasn't really done much to make the platform better. So I get that he supposedly reverse shadow bands. I can, I can argue that point based on my current stats. Um, I get that he brought back accounts that were unfairly banned. Hey, great. Um, I think it's good that he brought in, you know, Taibi and Barry Weiss. He just said, hey, here's all of old Twitter's communications. Have fun. I don't care. I thought that was fine. But everything that, to me, he's done technically with the platform, including getting rid of verification, has just been bad. It's been a clusterfuck. It's, it's, he doesn't, it's like he doesn't know what he's doing, which is what I wrote Spectator. He's completely making things up. And so he unfollows Matt Taibbi out of spite instead of maybe listening to Taibbi. Um, maybe he's 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 rolling out a competitor to, you know, Substack where long form posts that people can subscribe to. Well, if that's what you're doing, then you should be telling people that's what you're fucking doing. Um, you just don't wake up and it's like, oh, I guess we can't link the Substack anymore. And like you said, he's silent on it. So uh, I this is one where it's going to be interesting. I I don't, I, I don't, again, I think Jim Treacher said it the best. Someone like me, I get paid to post on, uh, subscribers. They can subscribe monthly, yearly, whatever. It's a pretty fair price. I feel. Um, and when it comes to Twitter, Elon Musk is asking me to pay him. Um, and no, uh, I do not plan on paying for Twitter blue at all. Once the blue check goes away, it goes away. I don't care. Um, and so he has to figure out a way to incentivize people to use this platform. And right now he's not doing that. And he, and kind of to f- finish up what you're saying, he's even probably hurting that, um, you know, by turning people away from Substack, it's that's going to be a tough sell for. A-
1: yeah, uh, Twitter is the place where right now you can actually promote your Substack. And so if you can no longer promote your Substack, Twitter is the place where now you can can only talk about what's happening on Twitter, I guess, and that's that works a little bit of the time, but that's not that's not a long term solution. And he hasn't provided a single thing for uh, anyone. He hasn't u- created a single thing for anyone who's on his platform to actually sustain their existence on his platform. Because for all intents and purposes, you're either able to promote something where you can earn money, or it is all just a loss, and you're and you're all you're getting out of it is possibly entertainment value. And that's, that's not going to be sustainable. Thanks for the time.
0: Yeah, I I agree with you, doctor.
2: Robert. Yep. Good to see you again. Go ahead.
3: Oh, there we go. Uh, thanks for having me, Stephen. Uh,
4: just a couple of thoughts that, uh, at least just came to me this week. Um, all the stuff with Chat GPT and the AI stuff, um, you know, this is all coming at a time when Elon has, you know, been trying to get rid of the bots, and now basically anyone, uh, you know, able to program uh, uh, AI uh, can basically become their own bot. Um, that, uh, to me does, uh, make the eventual downfall of Twitter to me probably a, a little more likely. Um, the good news is, I guess, because all these big tech companies, um, that are programming the, uh, these AI and, uh, chat GBT type stuff, uh, because they're all woke and all that. Uh, it'll be all the, the left leaning, uh, jobs, uh, journalistic, uh, jobs that, uh, they will replace. And so all the people, you know, on the center and right, uh, who have more original thoughts compared to the AI will be the ones left standing. Um, so I, th- I think that might be a, a fun irony, uh, uh, at least the possibility of that um and
0: uh i, I think you know, real fast i think you 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 bring up an interesting point in the sense of does does he you know do, do you start banning accounts once you can detect that the tweets are written in chat gpt um which there are detectors out there now that, that find that do you ban those accounts even though it's not like a bot per se i think that that's an interesting thing and what we're seeing basically with Elon is you either you either use me and my platform or nothing at all. And that again, you know, going back to what we just talked about, that to me is not gonna fly. It's 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 a funda- it's a fundamental misunderstanding of what social media is and what Twitter is used for. Um if he wants to change that, then that's great, go ahead. But again, it doesn't appear like anything is you know, any massive changes are being rolled out. It's, it's, we're just banning Substack now because Substack has something like my uh, Twitter. And so I'm getting rid of that. Well, welcome to the world of social media where every single fucking company rips each other off. Twitter rips off Facebook. Facebook rips off, you know, buys Instagram. Uh, Instagram rolls out uh, reels once TikTok happens. Uh, TikTok copies Vine. That's, that's the nature of what social media companies do. So if you instead of just blocking Substack, he should be figuring out a way to make Twitter a competitor to Substack and saying, okay, well, how about I roll out these features uh, like this? And so, if he's going to rule this through spite, if he's going to, you know, take out personal vendettas on media outlets and stuff like that, um, there's people who are going to cheer that. There's people who are going to cheer that, you know, Labeling NPR state-affiliated media, there's people who are going to cheer revoking the verification. Of the New York Times, um, as I talked about on the podcast, you have if you're going to do that, you have to operate from a place of moral clarity, and he, he's just not doing
2: that right now, and that's bad. That's a very. Uh,
4: yeah, and um, you know, my only real other thought on on the Twitter situation is. Um, I'm, I'm just wondering, you know, he, he bought, you know, you know, something for 44 billion and then, uh, you know, after finding out, uh, just how deeply rooted in corruption and, uh, linked to the government it was, you know, has basically lost, I assume has lost half its value anyway um i'm just and i am by no means a cpa so i'll let let them maybe offer better clarification but i'm just wondering if at this point he's like screw it i'm just gonna throw shit up at the wall see if anything sticks and if it doesn't it'll be a tax write-off to maybe offset uh you know whatever tesla or spacex is
0: doing I mean, possibly. I, I think he for it. And if he can't do that through advertisers, then you have to charge for it. And um, you have to basically get, you know, the, the thing is, it's not you paying your $8. It's not me paying my $8. It's how do you get NBC News Universal to pay five grand a month plus pay. For each of their journalists or personalities or actors or whatever, that's ultimately where the money would be for that. And most of those companies are saying we're not paying for this. And so, you know, the, he might look at it and say, if you have a Substack, you're using you're using my platform to promote your own personal subscription service or whatever. Yeah, I mean, but that's what everyone does. That's what everybody. Do. If if you link a Wall Street Journal article they're a subscription-only paywalled service. Whether you think they should be or not is a completely different issue. And so to me, if, if he's gonna look at Substack as a competitor, I think that that's fine, but you better be offering uh, platform stability, um, ideological indifference, um, you know, crisp and clear, when you sign up for my platform at Substack, here's what you're getting, here's what we allow, here's what we're doing, and he basically just gets high post Doge memes and does this out of the blue. And again, he can do it. Nobody, Nobody's out here saying that he can't do that with his his toy that he just lost half its value on. Um, but most people would probably argue this is not the way to run a successful platform. Okay. Awesome.
4: Well, I'll, I'll keep things on a little bit lighter, uh, lighter note at the end. Uh loved the Leon reference, uh, uh, this week. Um, I hate dressing formal, uh, formally, but Gary Oldman in that role made me want to wear a tan suit. Um, and, uh, you know, the irony of, uh, his, uh, you know, flaw with the, uh, uh, you know, the pill popping, Uh, and then having that little spasm, you know, as he does it, uh, well, I guess in my situation, I have to take the pills to not do those kinds of spasms. Uh, (laughs) but, uh, but, uh, that, that scene, uh, you know, the everyone scene, uh, I, I'm of the opinion that Gary Oldman deserved a lifetime achievement Oscar, uh, for that scene alone. And I'll, uh. Pass it on. Uh cheers, Stephen.
0: <laughs> Thanks, Robert. He do, he does chew the scenery out of that movie, like a hundred percent. Um he he te- he definitely takes that character, makes it at all. And I I threw that in there because I wanted the emphasis to just be like, okay, indict everyone. And went, what do you mean by everyone? I mean I mean Hunter Biden, I mean Joe Biden, I mean Nancy Pelosi, I mean Ocasio-Cortez on campaign finance, possibly Ian Omar. You just go down the list and you start saying, say, hey, go find me something, because that's what's going to happen eventually. It might not happen tomorrow. It's not going to happen with just, you know, Kevin McCarthy. Uh, But like I said, when Attorney General Trey Gowdy gets in there, um, look out. That's the road we've headed. And this is this is kind of going back to what Roller Gator is saying. We know that they indicted Trump. We know that uh, just across the spectrum, everyone's like, why? Why did they do this? Well, we know why they did it. it. It's not because of what happened in New York it's because it's what happening in other places. And Alvin Bragg is saying, we're just doing this to one, open the door, get other prosecutors to do this, tie Trump up in illegal malaise through the 2024 election, where he's both secures the nomination and becomes essentially unelectable. And that's what we're doing. And that's what the, that's how we got the ball going on this. Um, And we know, and as the media sits back and goes, you know, hey, no one's above the law. Well, we just saw apparently three people are above the law in the Tennessee House this week. Boy, that lasted, didn't it? And we know that once Hunter Biden or Joe Biden is charged uh, in something similar, uh, we know the media is going to scream that you can't prosecute political opponents. And this is a banana republic. And by then, it won't matter. We won't care. Uh, Senate, thanks for. You're there.
2: Go ahead. Oh, hey, Stephen. Uh, can you guys hear me? I, I didn't. I didn't realize that. No, on. No over problem. Yep, yeah, you're set. Okay. All right. So, um, I want to chime in on this. Um, what happened today in Nashville, and um, give you a little bit of background over here. Um, we live in Nashville. We live three miles from that, that school. My daughter was supposed to go to that preschool, and my son was supposed to be in summer camp there. So, a lot of the stuff that's happening really kind of affected us, even if it didn't affect us. Directly, um, and uh, I, I'm sort of aghast and appalled at how the narrative shifted so quickly. Um, some some other background, you know, they're, they're introducing a lot of elements into this that, that I, I don't think really address the the fundamental problem at hand, which is that this was a premeditated. You you can call it a hate crime, you can call it whatever, but this was a planned attack, and. Um, you keep referencing um, uh, Israel and, and and how Hamas gets treated. Um, I think there's a I think there's a different archetype here. Uh, I think this shooting is very similar to Dylan Roof and what Dylan Roof did in that Charleston church because it was premeditated. Um, and it, it, it's funny how the narrative shifts so completely, um, and no one is really talking about the the six people who were uh, unfortunately murdered. And you know, we went to the memorial this past Sunday and it, it, uh, the city turned out to pay its respects. And the people who sh- we should be talking about, we're not talking about. We're talking about the, the community uh, who uh, the press has made into the victims. And now we're talking about these three politicians. I saw this thing today. I'm just shaking my head going, you're not helping things. Um, I, I think this is going to backfire and blow up in, uh, in their faces because it's just rankly partisan. But it, the fact that they still keep doing this stuff is just it's it's absolutely unnerving, and this is the second part of, of where I want to go with this is you know they're trying to make it a trans issue and my 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 wife has a relative who is transgender and is transitioning, and she's having she she's somebody we have a great deal of empathy for and, and we care about her and she's had a rough life and this is not about. Uh, 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 pointing angst or or any sort of animus towards that community. But there seems to be an awful lot of projection that that's what needs to be happening. Um, not not so much from the right side of the aisle, but from uh, the people who are almost invested in that narrative. And it, it's, it's, it's deflating in a sense because there was an act of violence perpetrated. Um, I don't know how you look at a kid and shoot a kid. I just don't know how you how you how you do that, um, but it happened. We're not talking about that. We're talking about three politicians who decided to grandstand. Why? Why? Why do you and think we're not talking about it? They don't want to talk about it, and that's the, the the
0: the the point is not to. I mean, I made I made the argument when Jamal Bowman lost his shit in the hallway at Thomas Massey. I said that all this is is a distraction to keep you. Uh, to keep the headlines off of who perpetrated this crime. And that's basically it. Now you have to ask, why do they why do they feel the need to do that? The Biden administration could have come out and they could have said, this person who committed this heinous act of crime uh, does not represent the trans community. They didn't say that. Have you noticed that? That you haven't heard a word about that. They could have come out and said, you know, this person is, you know, a disturbed individual that, you know, not to go where Roller Gator is. I'm just saying like what they could have said. This was a disturbed individual, clearly with some problems at home. And this person in no way uh, speaks for or acted on behalf of the trans community whose backs that we have. They haven't said that. They haven't said anything close to that. They've come out and blamed Republicans. They've come out and said, you know, you're passing transgender laws and I guess fuck around and find out. And they've done that. But they haven't come out and had and distanced this person from that community. And that's something that I find extremely interesting. You you mentioned real fast, Dylan Roof. And what happened, what I think you're referring to is the fact that Dylan Roof went into the church, shot nine people. And then they blamed the Confederate flag like within 12 hours. It was, Ryan, it was Ryan C. Riley from Huff Post, earplugs guy from Ferguson, a few others who said, here's the Confederate flag flying high. And that, of course, got Nikki Haley to take down this flag. And, you know, the press had their whole thing. And, what, and I wrote about this at the wilderness. And what people forget is when Al Sharpton showed up, Charleston told him to go home. They said, you're not not here to grieve with us. You're here to inflame these things. Get the fuck out of here. They literally told him to go home. Like the community leaders were like, "Uh uh-uh, you leave. You turn around, get on your fucking airplane, go back to New York City. And yeah, you're not seeing that same thing happen in Nashville. Um, Remember, Joe Biden was basically elected to be a healer and to bring the country together. And have you seen any of that this week? Have you seen any empathy towards you know, this family that was shot on the eve of a religious holiday. No, uh, they celebrated the trans day of vengeance instead. And that's, this is crossing, this is something we haven't ever seen before. Um, where, you know, you had a presidential administration the media, you know, just kind of wink, wink and say, oh, this is horrible. Wink, wink, you know, like maybe you should stop passing uh quote-unquote gender-affirming care, wink-wink. Um, yeah, this is really horrible. That this happened to this hateful, bigoted Christian school, wink-wink. And I've never seen it before. And it it really is a new area. It's a new place. And kind of and what you're seeing now is you're seeing we you saw a copycat. And now you're seeing, you know, a, a woman get physically assaulted. And it's kind of like if if they're going to let a, a woman a they, them off the hook for a mass shooting, what aren't they going to let?
2: I, I think those are all fair points. Uh, the, the first thing that I would say, and and I, I need to remind myself of this, is don't fall for the BS. I mean, they're, they're trying to rile things up. They're trying to stir stuff up. Um, there are real problems in this country that shooting should never have happened. It wasn't the damn guns. It was the person, um, the gun policy, the red flag laws, all the other nonsense they're throwing out there to obfuscate. The problem was with that, that one person, just like the problem was with Dylan Roof. Unfortunately, with uh, Kamala Harris coming to to Nashville today and and doing God knows what. By the way, I find it very very funny uh, as somebody who's half African American, half Indian, considering that I'm Indian, that she's not she's probably not going to meet with the Indian legislator who was basically insulted and called a slur. Yeah. <laughs> That was, just, I mean, that's not helping people, anything. I mean, I, I was talking with a couple of people on
0: that, like that rate there, even, even that is enough under the statute to, to get that guy expelled for throwing a racial slur at this Republican lawmaker, who's an immigrant and he's, and he's called the brown face of white supremacy. That's enough to break decorum and to expel him alone under that. And again, this is one of these turn the other cheeks. Uh, just turn the other way. We didn't see we didn't see what this guy has been saying. We didn't see his actions. We didn't know. We didn't see all we see is that, oh, you expelled a black lawmaker. Oh, okay. And then they said, but the white one kept her job when we know why she kept her job. It's because she offered a public apology and said, Yeah, you're right, I shouldn't have done this. This broke the quorum. We should we have to be better than this, etc. Um and so, but but we know that now they're playing for the cameras. And when they say, well, you can't, you know, this was a bad move. It was short-sighted. It was, no, no, it wasn't. Um, part of like what you said with the debate is you're right about not taking the bait because I do think that a lot of this is about that. It's about trying to provoke a worse attack, which I'm actually scared could happen. Um, and I, again, I think that this is an issue that you're winning. I don't see the majority of the country backing you know, permanent hormone therapies and surgeries for minors, uh, even if it's quote unquote gender affirming. Um, You don't see a lot of the debate for people over 18. Um, You saw Karine Jean-Pierre obviously on purpose uh, lie about what this debate is about. And so not to interrupt you, but um, yeah, that's kind of, um, as far as taking the bait, you know, that's, I think you're right that that's what they're trying to provoke here. Um, and again, it's it's a winning issue, so I don't really see a need.
2: You know, they'd have, they'd have a much better time if they used Gandhi and or MLK tactics, because those tactics uh, didn't didn't fall on violence, or or, or or didn't sort of resort to violence. They 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 sort of um, fell back on, on on human nature and humanity and appealing to, to, to man's better side. And it's 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 funny that people couldn't be so compassionate. <laughs> don't don't see the obvious tactic they could they could use that to maybe gain some gain some sympathy because there there are a lot of us who who are sympathetic to what uh, trans people are going through. Um, mm-hmm. That that was not a refle- that shooting was not a reflection on all trans people. That person happened to be, identify as trans, but they're not doing that. They're taking a much more militant stance. I don't think it's going to work. I think people are sick of it. I think people are angry. But I mean, I, I share your fear that something something even worse is going to come down the pike, and that's that's never a good thing. Anyway, appreciate the commentary. Thanks for letting me chime in.
0: Thanks, Sam. It's good to see you. Sam is a, a long-time server too over from Patreon. So it's it's good to hear. From you. Hey,
5: Stephen. Uh, I have a question about the uh, whole Trump-Bragg charges thing, and I mean, I'm in the same boat as you. I mean, I don't even want Trump, you know, to get the nomination. I honestly just wish they actually found some real dirt on him so that, you know, it just paved the way for DeSantis. But, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but it seems like the whole justification for what Bragg is doing is he's claiming that Trump defrauded the voters in 2016 by not disclosing the the Stormy Daniels thing, he he hasn't uh, said. This is this is the big problem. Is
0: uh, he's claiming he there was no conspiracy charge? That's the biggest problem with this. Is that in order to prove that this was a major financial crime, you have to prove that the payments to from Michael Cohen to Stormy Daniels was to cover up and conspire a bigger crime. Uh, and Alvin Bragg teased that, but of course you have a media asking him, uh, but he didn't say what that is. He basically just said we'll reveal that later. Well, they don't have it. That's a problem. Um, and so, right, one of his the, one of the prosecutors during the indictment made the argument. Supposedly, I saw a clip on it that they're going to make the argument that because that he covered up this affair with Stormy Daniels that. Uh, the fraud that was committed was the election of 2016. That because the public didn't have this information, uh, that Donald Trump unfairly stole the election of 2016. Um, I My mouth hit the floor when I saw that. I just was like, oh, I can't believe they're fucking actually going through with this. So yeah, to, sort of to what you're saying is, yes, the, the argument is to them that the fraud was perpetrated on the people, which is what the state of New York.
5: Yeah. And so, I mean, you talk a lot about, you know, Harry Reid nuking the filibuster and them, like, just not seeing where this is ultimately going to go. And, you know, just, you know. Um, And so with all this precedent gone, what I'm wondering is, you know, and and you've also talked about, you know, Bragg, you know, he's sort of doing this for attention. And, you know, he's going to run for, you know, governor of New York or something like that. So what's to stop? some conservative da who you know wants to run for governor in a red state or you know see if he can get a trump cabinet a spot to just you know uh f- um charge like the 51 intelligence agents and the heads of social media companies with some sort of rico charge or something like that i mean you know it's obviously they're not going to get convicted but it doesn't seem like it's about getting a conviction and you know justice anymore it's just about getting your name out there and you know throwing the charges against the wall and just see you know, f- you know, F it yeah. and see what happens, you know? Yeah.
0: I mean, I know, I
5: know the symbolic
0: point you're making. I, I don't think that like, you know, the, 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 the 50, you know, the 50 intelligence officers, that that's good. That's a good like argument to make logically legally. It doesn't, it, you know, you're not going to prove a cr- on that. Um, I, I do think pretty much any democratic politician uh, is up for grabs now. And that includes Joe Biden. And people, like, I've I've discussed this with people, and they're like, well, GOP wouldn't do it. I'm like, well, yeah, I think they would. Um, Because Hunter Biden is already under federal investigation for God knows how many things, right? It's safe to say Merrick Garland is not going to bring a case, or he's at least going to waive a case off of another prosecutor to bring a case against uh, Hunter Biden in the state of Delaware. So, but that doesn't mean that, let's say, Joe Biden loses, and you get a President Trump, or you get a President DeSantis, his AG picks that investigation up, and within a week of being sworn in, you announce that we are we are looking at this. We're going to convene a grand jury to look at uh, charges on money laundering, wire fraud, uh, gun. Hunter Biden forged a gun application, a background check, anything, and then you just say, "Hey, Hunter, who's the big guy?" And if you can get a grand jury or if you can get a prosecutor that says we're pretty convinced that we can link Joe Biden to being the big guy. um, Yeah, we're going to bring you up on accomplice charges. And and people laugh when I say this. And I'm like, what makes you think they're not going to fucking do that now? Like, of course, they're going to do it. And it won't matter if Joe Biden is 87 years old. They're going to fucking haul his ass into court just to say that they did it. And because that's how these things always go. Um, people laugh when I just like, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez had a campaign finance investigation. She had an ethics investigation into her. The, Hey, maybe we're going to charge her now on campaign. Well, you're not going to get a conviction. It doesn't matter. The conviction doesn't matter. What matters is that this person was indicted and it's now in their Wikipedia entry. And so not so much like the former intelligence, like actual named people that are out there. Um, You know, like charging Andrew McCabe, who kind of should be charged um, or those, you know, whatever. That's not so much the game anymore. The game is now. um, I don't know, Uh, Nancy, it looks sure looks like you and your husband committed insider trading here. And I get that you're 90 years old and on your deathbed. But did your daughter know? Did your 50 year old daughter benefit from any of this? And did she know maybe we'll charge her? And that's where this is going to And people look at this and say, oh, this is what you want. No, we, I didn't want any of this. And I I've stated from the beginning, you're not going to beat Trump this way. He's not going to prison. He's not. None of that's going to happen. You have to beat him at the ballot box. And, you know, obviously, the media doesn't want that. And neither do the Democrats. So I guess we'll find out if GOP voters go along with the thing that the media wants and Joe Biden.
5: Yeah, and it would be funny if he actually did get, you know, with uh, President Trump or DeSantis, if he actually did get, you know, hauled into court or something like that. I'm talking about Biden. You know, now, I think most people can recognize that he's, you know, a shell of his former self. He's, you know, dementia, whatever you want to call it. Um, You know, people on the left, they totally just ignore that or downplay it. But as soon as, you know, uh, he gets in court, you know, I feel like they would just be shouting, how can you do this? He's, you know, he's got dementia, you know, and just sort of, have him play the victim card, you know, like he's a junior soprano from the sopranos when he finally uh, gets hauled in front of a well they judge. wouldn't
0: they wouldn't say to mention they would just say this is this is authoritarianism, this is prosecuting your political opponents, this is a banana republic. See, we told you Ron DeSantis was a fascist. That's how they would play this. And all of the screaming of like you and me going, Are you fucking serious? Like this is what they did to Trump, they don't care. They plainly don't care. So in return, you kind of have to not care. It's sort of it's sort of like the January 6th thing with the, with the Tennessee House members. Uh, they're out there saying, well, this is a race. You can't do it. And you just say, you just told us no one's above the law. Thank you. Have a good day. See you later. Pack your bags. Get out of the house. Um, and that's kind of pretty much what the attitude has to be from, from here on.
5: Yeah, I agree. Um, I'll take, I'll get off the air here and let someone else, the next caller in. Great. Thanks, Larry.
0: Uh, I'm gonna try to go. We're probably gonna go here, 15 to a half hour. I'll try to get through as many people as I can. Um, if I can't get through everyone, I may do this again tomorrow, possibly Monday. I know it's a holiday weekend, but we're gonna try. So probably go until about 8:30. Um,
6: hey, Steve. Um, just a quick one, um, just on the whole NPR being labeled as state-affiliated media. Um, I know a lot of people. Enjoyed that one, and you know, on one primal level, I did. But it kind of annoyed me as well because uh, it's a small thing. But it, equating NPR uh, to, I guess, Chinese state-owned media um, in some way downplays what the Chinese state-owned media actually is. NPR is trash. Uh, it's you know propaganda, but it's not. At the same time, it's not being told by the government what to publish, uh, and I think equating it to Chinese state-owned media. Uh, is not great, and I think it's telling that that happened to someone like Musk, who has a whole bunch of investments in China. Um, I think that's something that's not kind of explored enough. I know you've gone on about it in the past, but I think uh, people need to look beyond Musk's ideological proclivities uh, to his involvement in China and what, what, what do you he think? He, what Twitter. do you
0: think he values more, Tesla or Twitter?
6: Oh, Tesla, 100%.
0: Right, and so therefore... And he he's relying on China for the you know the parts and the minerals to basically make batteries for Tesla, and so yeah I mean it's it's not close. Um, I I agree. I'm I'm probably one of the lone conservative or you know right wing libertarian guys on the right who agrees that that was dumb of him to do. Um, you're, you're right. You can argue that they're biased. You can argue that they're wrong. You can argue that they're agenda-driven. You can argue that. But no, they are not what RT or, you know, who I or China State Media is. It's not the same thing. And again, if you're going to do that, you have to do it across the board. And he, he just does it to this one because it's funny for a day. Or, you know, you change the Doge logo for and it's funny for a day. And it's kind of just like the shenanigans are funny to people right up until he does something that's not funny to you anymore. And that's kind of what I've warned about.
6: Yeah. And it's like, well, why, is, why is the BBC not UK state owned media? It's got a lot more restrictions on it than NPR does. Um, but I think it's on Tesla as well. I think it's telling with must decisions around Twitter, the latest one with Substack is you look at his companies, the big ones being Tesla uh, and spacex spacex is effectively it 's not a monopoly but it 's heavily backed by the government so there 's no real competition there Tesla a lot of uh, a lot of subsidies to it and for a long time it was also no real competition so musk has for a long time operated in these industries or in these markets where he hasn 't faced stiff competition and he 's now moving into social media which is probably you know so it will about the industry or the market but it 's highly adaptive, highly competitive. Um, I don't think he exactly knows how to manage that and how to deal with that. Um, the notion that Substack Notes would ever seriously threaten Twitter's market share of its you know, micro blogging, some market of social media, I think was always ludicrous. But his overreaction demonstrates that he doesn't understand the market. He doesn't understand its competitive nature, because he's worked in industries where he hasn't had to face Fierce adaptive competition. Uh, I think that explains it more than his fits of peak or his ideological worldview.
0: Yeah, I would I would agree with some of that. And like I said, if you look how social media has developed, uh, every company copies every company. If you know Facebook picks up a feature, then you know Jack Dorsey or Twitter. You know when Twitter did a news feed on the side, Facebook added a news feed. Um, that's just how companies do it, whether or not they should. And Musk looks at every development similar to Twitter as a personal front. And so he's decided that instead of just you know trying to compete with Substack he's going to punish Twitter he's going to punish users of his platform for also using Substack including those that pay him money and okay i don't i do i i completely fail to see the logic in in any of that because that's he's not punishing Substack he's 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 actively punishing users on Twitter he's saying you can either uh write on Substack and you can't use Twitter therefore Or you can just publish your stuff on Twitter, and people would then go, "Okay, how do I publish my long form on Twitter?" Oh, you have four thousand characters. You can just do a tweet thread. Like, okay, how am I supposed to get paid for doing that? Oh, well, you're going to give me eight dollars. What? And that's it. It, Like, there's no incentive other than an audience, and even then, the audience is you know kind of niche at that, and it's kind of falling off. You know, other than an audience that you've built up, that's it. The other part of that is Elon Musk didn't do anything to, you know, get Matt Taibbi, his followers. Matt Taibbi gained his Twitter followers through his work and his opinions. And whether you agree with him or not is completely beside the point. Sort of similar to me. I, I joined this version of Twitter in 2011. Uh, it's 12 years later. Fucking unbelievable amount of time I've spent on that hell site. And I've amassed a small following. Elon Musk didn't do any of that for me. That was done through me tweeting and my work and my writing and whatever and my smart ass shit posts and, you know, my memes, Brian Stelter and and whatever. But he had no play in any of that. And so now he's kind of trying to say that your following is actually belongs to him and monetized by him rather than me monetizing them myself. And again, I I just don't see that going. Yeah.
6: Yeah. you know, just final point, then I'll move on. Um, Yeah, I'm open to the idea that Twitter was failing before he bought it. Uh, I think it was, um, but his inability to understand what he's bought, um, and maybe there's no way to properly monetize it on an even keel. But, you know, as I said, the notion that Substack Notes was going to be a serious threat to Twitter uh, up until he banned using or linking to Substack was ludicrous, but he's kind of, he's kind of, you know, the profit of his own demise because he's just made sub-stack, note, sub-stack notes a lot more a lot more competitive. So, yeah, he's shooting himself in the foot. But, yeah, that's all I got.
0: Thanks, Ben. Go ahead and take us. I'm most likely going to cut off after Jason, uh, but we'll see how we're doing here. Uh, if if not, then like I said, for a few of you that are back there, I may try to jump on tomorrow afternoon or something, um, which I try to do if we have a lot of people. But as of now, I'm probably going to cut off after Jason and go from there. Let's just see how we do.
7: Hey Stephen, um, so I know like I, I know that you don't have any opinions on Substack. <laughs> oh oh, I I certainly do. I think that you know, we, we, shall, we shall see what what the feature will look like. It's just that Elon thinks that blocking direct competitors is the way to operate a business enterprise, particularly a business enterprise like Twitter. It is something that I don't really understand, but hey, he's free to do it. I think his um, many followers will understand. Because they're not sub-stackers. But yeah. I don't think this is actually. A good decision on Elon's part. And I am. Actually going to be off the. Off the. uh, Bad That. Most people. Most people think that. Elon is saving Twitter. But. Every day. You go on that side. And there's many, many unforced errors made every day. And you think that Elon being the engineering genius that he is, would actually understand how a social media platform works. What, what is supposed to be functioning? What's the purpose of Twitter? Like, I really hate to say it because I've been on, like, like you, I've been on, on Twitter for like 11 years, except like didn't gain a massive following like you did. But he doesn't really, but I just, I do think that he doesn't understand what, what Twitter was meant to be or how it evolved. Um, you know, Elon doesn't really like, like, um, journalists and I don't think that he will be talking to those who had the Twitter files to understand what is in his mind when it comes to, uh, these kinds of decisions. But I don't think it's gonna. Be, it's working for me. Yeah, I mean that's kind of where I'm at. I don't think
0: it's really going to work for me either. Of like, like that's everything like long term that I hear that he's doing or he's going to do. He either then reverses on, um, or he again sort of along the lines of you. I think he misunderstands a lot of what. It is so. You take the blue check thing for example, and he does this thing where he says, you know, the the blue check mark was a um, that was a that was a corrupt symbol of you know social status, and everyone should be equal. But then he says, pay me eight dollars for that for that status symbol, so you can have that status, and that's completely backwards to me, like. <laughs> like I don't I don't understand that and that's fine it's fine if you think that people placed a value on the the blue check mark that's that's just what society does you're you're basically effectively trying to social engineer the value that people put on it um i always personally just looked at it as you know well two reasons i'll I'll tell you two reasons one is it's obviously it's to verify hi this is me that's all it should be and i've always said that anyone should be allowed to get it as long as they can verify who they are. Fair enough, okay? Um, the second reason I got, when they opened it up a few years ago, they opened it up briefly for like a month. And it made it easier for someone like me, who's kind of an antagonizer of journalists who think they're self-important, or celebrities, uh, to, to write. It makes it harder for them to write me off, because I pop up in their comfortable little verified column. And it makes them harder to just, like, write you off as just some anonymous post or whatever, whatever like that. That was really all, the only reason it did it. And um, somebody said, somebody I was talking to when this came out, here's the dirty little secret. People like the old verification system. They kind of liked that here are, the, here are the people that produce the content. Here are the people that are worth listening to. Or when I say worth, I'm not saying you agree with them. I'm not saying they're smart. I'm not saying they're right. I'm not saying any of that. But here are the people that are creating the stuff that's out there to read, to listen to, to whatever, pay attention to. And you know what? I don't even really care about being verified. I just look at it to get the daily sports betting news. Like, whatever. That's the dirty little secret I don't think a lot of people admit is that the old verification system, this this hierarchy that they put on it, people like that as far as social media. And that goes back to the MySpace days. And so he comes out and he's like, we're going to get rid of this. Anybody can have a blue check mark. He puts value on the blue check mark while taking value away from the identity when the whole point of the blue check mark in the beginning was to identify someone, and that was really it. Um, and so I look at that and I'm kind of like, it's funny because then he's saying the for you column will disappear if you're not subscribed to Twitter Blue. And I'm like, good, I don't look at that anyway. All I want is just who I follow, what they say, and that's it. Um, and so he, he's trying to incentivize giving him money, but in return, you're not really getting anything. You're not with Substack. If if like if I subscribe to someone's Substack, I'm paying them for content or more importantly, someone's paying me for content. I show up. I have to do it except on days like today. Um, and I know that if I stop doing it, then I'm going to stop getting paid. Um, there's no incentive to really use Twitter other than the fact that it's kind of a real-time news aggregator. And if that goes away, which it seems like he's trying to do with NPR and he's doing it with the New York Times and other news outlets, I don't know what he's trying to turn it into. And maybe he'll surprise. I don't know. Um, but like with you, I, I just everything that I've seen him do up to this point has just made me scratch my head. And it- Yeah, and not to
7: mention um, Elon's programmatic relationship with China and India, because they're not really, they're not really up to the standards that Elon sets up of himself when it comes to freedom of speech, which, speaking of which, he says once freedom of speech, but not freedom of reach. I think he's a bit half honest there. I just wish, I think he will reverse it as soon as Cattered says that it's getting to be a be a problem <laughs> yeah. and, or or ian miles well, chang. Well, it boils it of, down
0: it's one of those two it's it's whatever elon musk whisper like yeah cat or ian, ian miles chang is like no you know i, I want to be able to read people's sub stacks or right, I'll, I'll, I'll reverse it done and then that's it like but that's the whole point that's not how you run a company
7: yeah and you know, you got all of these all of these things, and you know, Twitter is also a Twitter is a global company. So, what are they so going to? What are they supposed to do? Are they going to cut? I like I like to see Elon Musk goes against China, but the problem is, is that his other companies have business deals with them. So, I don't think it will be it would be possible. What I will say is, I remember when Substack blew up. Back in 2020, and a lot and lots of journalists were basically bagging on anyone um, who had a moderately successful career in journalism, like Glenn Greenwald. It, it and, became a platform for white supremacists. Yes, of course, and also transphobes. And I feel, and I feel like everyone is jumping on the substack bandwagon. Not that that's a bad bandwagon. and I actually like Substack, but people join Substack, and I I was like, wait, haven't you said that it's going to be a platform for these kinds of people that you don't like? Taylor Lorenz in particular I, is one that said that. Yeah, yeah, and and Elon, and that was
0: originally understand. and Taylor Lorenz is yeah. originally why Elon banned. All links going off of Twitter because of mastodon originally. So he first oh, he banned yeah, that's right. he banned everyone saying here's my mastodon, and then uh, he was talked out of that. But then Taylor Lorenz had Substack in her Twitter bio and her mastodon, and that's when he suspended her account. Yeah, Which that's yeah. definitely the person you want to turn into a fucking free speech murder is is her. Good job. Uh
7: yeah, and I don't know if Taylor Lorenz is suffering. Uh, from long COVID to actually hear this, but there was one, st- one thing that we and I and Taylor Lorenz agree upon is that, you know, this is not good. This is this hasn't been really good. But I will say that the journalists who are shocked that Substack, that no one can link to Substack, were the same guys who were incredibly furious whenever Jesse Single write something about anything, particularly about transgenderism, and you know, I'm not gonna be falling. I'm not gonna be. Um, t- I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna agree mainly on that. The side of journals for doing it because you know, journals are supposed to help ha- to make the platform as well. It's not simply just Elon. It has to be, you know, they they are capable of. Gre- creating many environments and they're the ones who make their bed and they have to lay on it. It's just that Elon is giving them the Hotel California to do it.
0: Uh, yeah, I would agree.
7: Yeah. And one final thing um, before I, I go. So did you listen to the um, – any? Music. I mean, I've been listening to uh, the some tracks from the new Lana Del Rey album. I know you're not a fan of Lana Del Rey, but I think there's something interesting I, coming out of. It.
0: I don't hate do Lana Del Rey. Let me put I, Um, yeah. it's <laughs> she. She's weird to me. I don't know if it's a like an act. like the kind of I don't really care as an actor if that's who she is or whatever Um, I kind of like the beef she got in with music critics and stuff like that Um, but it's funny because a lot of people that I'm that I'm close with a lot of like my music not people also really like her so
7: yeah and I think she started not to care after the whole um, once she broke out out into the scene about 10 years ago with that um infamous Saturday Night Live uh, performance. Um but I'm just like I'm just like, okay, good for her. Your music is continues to evolve and I look forward to hearing what um your spoken word project, which I still wish she would do. Anyways, uh good to chat to you Stephen. Um um I hope I hope I hope Elon is doing well that's all i'm gonna say
0: <laughs> elon musk didn't kill himself later. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. thanks alex uh yeah i'm gonna uh we are go we'll go dave we'll go david and jason so uh, call Matt. Apologies, we just uh, we're gonna we're gonna get out of here at a decent hour. Um, like I said, I'll uh, if the interest is there, uh, I'll try to maybe look at jumping on tomorrow if I have some time. If not Monday, but uh, go ahead, David. Thanks, David. how's it going? A uh, couple of things I want to get off my
3: chest. Uh, I'm just really fresh. Uh, one is with the Tennessee thing, the uh, Tennessee in- incident last week. Um, it was I can't. Stand how fast this has gotten out of the moves uh, especially uh, my wife works at a Christian school in Florida the free State of Florida um, and they are very worried they're very concerned um, there and the school they they're, they're very concerned about a, a copycat shooter to the point that they just f- hired for, uh, four for new, uh, security officers, and they're revamping their entire. Um,
0: that's that's, that's to system. me the idea. They want you scared. They want you basically saying, "This is what it's like to be us, our whole lives." As you erase us, so, I mean, that's exactly what they want out of this. That's their plan. Yes.
3: And I just the whole the view from the White House and what they've said. Uh, this week is that, you know, especially Kareem John Pierre saying that these people fight back. And I feel like, yes, they did. And last week it was a, they did show that they fight back. And it's very scary. There's a lot of, there are some, uh, groups out there, uh, that are really, militant, and it's a very, people are very upset with, with, uh, Christians. And it's not something that is to be exaggerated. Um, I get that, you know, there are, you know, uh, like you say, the Matt Walsh types what's, that yeah. are kind of what, very against. What's it.
0: really interesting to yeah. me is this debate about permanent hormone therapy and surgeries for trans minors isn't coming from a place of relig- religion. That's what's interesting to me. This isn't the LGBT. This isn't the, you know, conversion camp argument. This is this is the, the science. you scientifically bio biologically altering, permanently altering someone's you know, mental capabilities as well as their physical appearance permanently, like for life. And there's a reason why we don't give 12-year-olds tattoos. And that's what's interesting to me about you know, kind of where you, you said is you know, this, the idea that they're targeting Christians and religious, this, this is not a religious argument. This, this isn't the church making this argument, for example. Sorry, that was just something that came up.
3: Yeah, and it was uh it was pretty much Ron DeSantis kind of brought like saw this, picked it up on it and it kind of became his his whole platform. Um, he picked this fight and it wasn't Trump picking this fight. That's another thing that, you know, Trump has been so far out of uh, any policy debate the last 2 year, or 3 years now. Um that he's on like, I don't understand why or I don't even see where people are still in, Rep- in the Republican party are going to put this guy uh above DeSantis. Every Republican I talk to, I don't I don't I don't understand some of these polls that I see. Every Republican I talk to, every Republican, Republican that other people talk to uh that I know are all you know, on board with DeSantis and I know I live in Florida, but this is this goes I have a pretty diverse you know, set of uh, people on the uh, friends on the right uh, come from different types of uh, thinking and different types of races. Uh, and they're all scattered throughout the country. And every one of them um, I see are pretty much pro DeSantis people. Uh, they're kind of fed up with Trump. And I just don't, I don't understand the, the massive support for uh, Trump over DeSantis. I know he hasn't Another thing is he hasn't declared, he hasn't campaigned, and there might be still uh, parts of the country that aren't familiar. Yeah, with there's
0: there's a name there's executives. a name recognition angle to this. Um, you're right. That until he announces, and until there's an, a campaign, until you know that that's why I, I'm not. You know, I don't even retweet polling on any of this because none of it matters. You know, Trump is polling it about you know, 46%. And that, and that's not great for someone with his name record. He's universal name recognition. It's like, there's not someone out there who hasn't heard of him. Okay. And so for, for him to be at 42, 43 full name recognition. And, uh, in, in a primary, that's not great polling. Um, is it good enough to win? Sure. If eight, if eight more people split the vote, sorry, George will you're wrong about that. Um, and so there's, there's a lot of reasons why, you know, you're like, how the, how the fuck could anyone be doing that Well, one, you're in Florida. Two, he's very popular in Florida. Um, he's probably yeah. the most popular governor in the country when you get down to it. If you were to, if you were to roll up against every governor in the country with their popularity, um, he's probably right up there, one, two, or three. And so there's a lot of factors in it. And one is, you know, name recognition. Um, two is obviously until he goes to places like Iowa, New Hampshire and talks and does that whole thing. Um, then, you know, to me, none none of that's like, I'm not even like. Yeah.
3: Um, But yeah, just another thing with the the name recognition, eventually he'll get, he'll get up there. But I honestly don't see what is, uh, I don't see a big field. Uh, Like guys like Tim Scott, uh, doesn't seem like they're going to run. Doesn't seem like. Well, I mean, Tim Tim Scott, Tim Scott went to New
0: Hampshire this week. He went to Iowa. So he's at least. Testing, oh, he's at least hearing people out. Um, you know, I, I mean, I, I don't know that, that there's there's a hundred reasons why someone would look at polling and saying, Oh, I'm sitting at eight, nine percent, and um, maybe the hope is people above them flame out or what have you. But you'll, you're gonna get, you know, you're gonna get four or five people probably,
3: yeah. Um, so that could be 20 people like, a, like the Democrats started off with, they had to do two different nights. Of, uh, of their first debate. I remember that for at least a while. But, yeah, I just don't see something eventually, you know, by the end of the year, hopefully we're down to it'll consolidate. And I feel like it'll consolidate pretty early because it's going to be really bad for the Republican Party if one guy gets through, like, like the last time, on, 30, on 30-something percent um, going forward. Well,
0: we'll see. Media, media, and Dems are going to do everything in their power to make sure that doesn't consolidate. So it's it's silly season arrives very quickly here in about two months.
3: Yeah, and uh, yeah. Once again, hope uh, hope that uh, to see a little bit of compassion, a little empathy from the White House. You know, guy who ran on empathy doesn't seem to have one for Christian school kids.
0: Tennessee. Tennessee <laughs> is a not a state that is in play in twenty twenty four. That's why.
3: Yep, bingo.
0: So, all right. Thank you, Stephen. Thanks, David. Good to see. You.
3: Go, go Panthers.
0: All right, uh, Jason. Welcome back. I think we we it's just a habit of always wrapping up with you, but we'll do that. So go ahead. All right.
8: So nothing makes David French happier than. Making sure Republicans know they can't do anything about Democrat malfeasance. I think it just makes his day. I know you don't like talking about him, but it's... What, what did he say this time?
0: Oh, he went what? on a multi-tweet. What did he say that's making everybody angry this time? I, I, I haven't seen or heard anything. Oh, he went on a multi-tweet like this is,
8: you know, kicking the two guys out of the Tennessee legislature was the end of the Republic. Oh, or something. okay.
0: That sounds like him.
8: Um, And he also did the whole like, DeSantis won't help Extradite Trump Which wasn't ever going to happen anyway And he wrote a I think he wrote a whole column on how that would be unconstitutional Which I That's a mixed bag But it's like you have to go deep in the weeds On exactly what
0: DeSantis could or couldn't do but. I think that that was a bit of politicking on his part. Oh. Uh, I think that he knows that he has nothing to do with that. Two, I think everyone knows that Trump was happily going to go. Um, yeah. <laughs> and again, I think that that was just simply politicking and saying that, you know, uh, if if you, need, if you need to come get him, you better bring the FBI in your own secret service because I'm not going to lend, you know, state troopers to arrest him or something. So I think that that was... Maybe, maybe. Why did Mostly. you say
8: that he had – why did you say he had nothing to do with it? Why did what? Why did you say DeSantis had nothing to do with it? I mean, if Trump didn't go.
0: Just – just le- I mean, legally, there's – I mean, there's nothing a governor – unless he sends in the National Guard to barricade off Mar-a-Lago, but he's not going to do that.
8: Well, no. I mean, New York can't send anybody in, and federal marshals aren't authorized right. to execute state law. Right. It would have to be it would have to be something somebody from Florida would actually have to go from right. arrest. Them.
0: But every, I mean, everyone knew, including I'm sure probably DeSantis' people that Trump was happy to go. Trump oh, just yeah, released yeah. a campaign style ad of him on his plane, on the highway, going into the courtroom. He had his yeah. own videographer with him the whole way. So yeah, that, that was never in yeah, doubt never. that Trump was not going to be holed up Tony Montagna style <laughs> at Mar-a-Lago. Yeah.
8: Um, but yeah, it, it makes his day to
0: tell Republicans
8: that they're not supposed to do anything about anything. I think that's all that gets him up in the morning anymore. But, um, but more specifically, you know, I, I've noticed that people confuse norms and principles, like, like with the whole expelling them with the whole, um, extradition or whatever i mean yeah there are norms being violated but they're not principles and if the norms go away the norms are only as good as everybody agreeing to them once they go away they go away i mean you're gonna get run over if you stick to ways of doing things that have just passed by
0: Uh, I would, I would agree. I mean, that's a good statement that, that that there are two different things that, you know, you, you can argue, you, you can argue about principles and then you can also similarly say about norms, which is, uh, would, would legitimately prosecuting Hunter Biden be a principled thing to do based on the law? Well, yes, of course it would be based on at least everything that we know and everything that we've seen, um, Would it be the norm to do it? Well, not until last week. And now that that's gone, well, okay. And so that's, you know, it's an interesting, it's an interesting comparison that you make there, because you're right, everyone's kind of agreed upon the rules. And it's like, well, you don't prosecute former presidents, especially if you're the opposing. Well, now we do. And it's like, oh, so that door's open for us. We can we can walk through that door. And then, of course, you're going to get I told you you're going to get a section of media. And David may or may not be a part of that that says, no, you can't prosecute Hunter Biden. This is wrong. We have to have principles. Well, no, that's not that's not principles. You're right that that's the category of norms. And that was one of the things, you know, people screamed at for years under Trump, which was this is not normal. It's not normal. And now you look at it and you go, you know, look at the norms that have been restored under Joe Biden. We're now prosecuting. His could be past and future political opponent. Um, apparently, now we're excusing the actions of mass shooters because you're here to back up trans kids. And what I mean, uh, this is the thing is everyone's norms been restored? Are, are we good with this? And I think that, you know, when you talk about norms versus principles, this is a lot of what, again, going back to what uh, I think David was just saying about Ron DeSantis, which is, you know, a lot of the stuff that he's done, you could argue are against norms. But if you look at, you know, principles, yeah, I kind, I kind of think, you know, if we're going to pass a law and Disney jumps in and says, we're going to legally challenge this law because we have LGBTQ employees that are telling us to do so. And we're going to, we're going to use our million dollar lobbying arm to do that. And then he's like, okay, you're done. You just lost your private tax status. That's not, to me, violating any norms because that's not a fight he picked. OK, he you know, a law goes through the legislature. It's signed just as it's supposed to do. And now you have, again, activist corporatism coming in and saying, well, we're going to fight this because our employees told us to. OK, well, then we're going to fight you back. And again, I, I think that there is a strain of old Mitt Romneyism and that says you're not supposed to do that. And this is a different ball game. When you have the media out here begging corporations to save, you know, you know, to save the policies and, and help them out. Um, that's not private company to me anymore, especially when a comp- you're not talking about like the local H and R block, you know, raising an objection here. You're talking about Disney, which is a multi-million billion dollar media conglomerate trying to use their lobbying arm to affect legislation in which case to me at least principally I'm like okay fair game well let's you know let the best let the best monkey win now and that's kind of how I look at that so I mean you do bring up an interesting point that it's no longer to me a private company when you're using your dc lobbying arm to affect legislation that's how I look at it at least
8: yeah, and I mean, the bottom line is that Reedy Creek District, I mean, it was essentially Disney controlling its own county. And, you know, principles aside, the courts have never, and I looked at this with some, uh, like, school district stuff and reorganization, Like courts have never intervened in a state reorganizing its own subdivisions. You know what I mean? Like, like we talk about it as a private tax status, but no, it was its own county essentially, and the courts have never really intervened in like a state saying, "Oh, this isn't a county anymore, We're, or a county anymore. We're going to reorganize this." It's basically their prerogative.
0: Uh, I mean, yeah, it's it's a brand new ball game. It's those, you know, again, <laughs> yeah. going back with, you know, the, these aren't things that have happened before, whatever. And this starts, this again traces back to media, like demanding Major League Baseball speak out against a voting law. And before baseball, instead of them going, well, what are you upset about exactly? Should we look into this? Like, nope, they just go, we don't need the bad PR from who we believe to be our market. So, yeah, let's just up and move the game and just be done with this. And it turns out that it costs them more than what it should have to just ignore the news cycle for four days. And so, you know, to me, at least, if media and journalists are going to turn toward, you know, why isn't Butterfingers speaking out about the the banning of trans youth laws or whatever. And then if corporations decide they're going to throw their hat in the ring and do that, you're fair game. Now you're not fair game in the sense of, you know, we're going to haul your executives to jail, although I don't know now,
6: um,
0: (laughs) but you know what I mean? Like if you're going, if you're going to get in there and, and if you have a special tax status in the state of your headquarters and Okay, well, that's gone now. Okay, would you like to keep keep playing this game? Because we can, um, because you're you're getting beyond just private company doing private company things at that point. And that is something that has, you know, corporate lobbying has gone on for years and years and years and years and years and years, and and we get it. Um, But the fact that they're now kind of actively choosing a side, and we saw this with Molly Ball's Time Magazine piece, where you know companies are going to just bound together and it doesn't matter what your vote says if they can influence enough people um, I guess Joe Biden or Kamala Harris is going to be president and that's it and that's something that has to be overcome and that's just how it goes
6: yeah and I have
0: to say like not doing anything out of
8: supposed principle real or imagined isn't isn't taking the temperature down it's making people angry at you too you know it just makes everybody feel frustrated, like, oh, they get away with this,
0: but we're not gonna do anything. Great. No, the way I look at that is no one is above the law. I'm sorry. Right. No one's above the law. <laughs> this is what we were just told for the last however many weeks, and those three House members in Tennessee violated the, the an HR house clause. They violated a law they, they, you know, they didn't violate a criminal law, but they violated the laws of decorum that, you know, were established by the House. And if that's the case, then everybody has to go according to the law. That is the new standard that they just imposed this past Tuesday. And so, right. again, if you want to do this, if you want to go down this road, now we're going to make you live up to it. And journalists can do all the screaming in the world about it. And the attitude to have is we don't care. Right. There you go. All right. Thanks. Thanks. You brought us, you brought us right back to the beginning. So that, that was a good roundabout thing there. So great. Right. I shouldn't end every episode. I know. I think you do. All right. Thanks. Okay. Well, he can just drop. Um, Thanks for, um, again, thanks for calling uh, everyone tonight. Uh, Again, apologies to those of you I didn't get around to. There were quite a few of you back there. So um, if I can just squeeze in some time tomorrow, uh, just keep a lookout for that. Obviously, we're not going to do it on, on the holy seventh day on Sunday. Um, but if not, I'll try to be back here as soon as I can on Monday. So try to hold on to your thoughts. Uh, I'm pretty good with uh, photographic memory. So if you were in the queue, uh, I'll, I'll remember who you are. So just feel free to jump in there. Not to brag. Um, thanks again for uh, everyone for jumping in the room and just uh, giving us a listen here on this uh, Easter holiday weekend. It's been episode 95. Um, it was a week. That's all I can I can really say. Um, A lot of things happened this week that none of them great and some of which we're never going to come back from. So uh, enjoy it not to uh, be a downer. Uh, (laughs) So uh, I will hopefully be back on Substack Tuesday and uh, we'll see if um, I'm able to post links on the Twitter Uh, But I guess I have some things to think about as far as my own Twitter account now goes. So that's also happy fun. Thanks again, everyone. Thanks to my callers. Uh, Thanks to listeners. Thanks again for keeping uh, Versus Media Live up there for call-in. Hopefully, I'll be able to link to this off my Twitter feed at least for now. So, again, thanks, everyone. Enjoy your holiday weekend. Cheers.